Welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF.com podcast in partnership with Women in ETFs. We get together every week and talk shop with some of the smartest women in the ETF business. I'm Cynthia Murphy, here with my colleague, Heather Bell. Hiya. Hi, Heather. And today we're actually going to have a really exciting conversation about uh, the news that uh, Dimensionum Fund Advisors, DFA for short, is talking about converting mutual funds into ETFs. It launched its first ETFs. It was a big story in the ETF space in late 2020, and we're going to break it down today. Joining us for this conversation is Marlena Lee, Head of Investment Solutions at Dimensional Fund Advisors. Hi, Marlena. Hi, Cynthia. So thanks for joining us. We're very excited to dive into this because it was such big news uh, when DFA came into the ETF market last year in a big way. But before we dive into that, we'd love to hear actually a little bit about yourself and and how you got to DFA. We were diving a little bit into your background before this call and um, your education, your credentials are quite intimidating. Uh, Heather and I were, were really impressed. You have two master's degree, a PhD. So we'd love to hear actually you boast a little bit about your accomplishments and how they led you ultimately into the ETF industry. Sure thing. Um, so yeah, I was in school for a long time. <laughs> I was actually getting my PhD at Chicago Booth, where I was a teaching assistant for Professor Fama. And at some point during the course of my studies, I realized that I didn't really want to be a professor. And I talked to Professor Fama, who was also on my dissertation committee, and he suggested I reach out to Dimensional. And um, that was almost 13 years ago, maybe even 14 years ago. And I've been with Dimensional now ever since. And it, it has been a perfect fit. So most of that time, I've been in the research group at Dimensional. Um, in terms of what, why Fama thought it might be a really great fit for my training and, and skills is that it, it's very similar to what I was doing for him at at Chicago Booth, uh, you know, there I was doing some research and teaching P, uh, PhDs and MBAs about finance. And then when I got to Dimensional, it turned out to be very similar. It's just now I talk to clients about finance. Um, so it turns out he was right, and he often is about a lot of things. So uh, in terms of back to me, after a few years of um, being co-head of the research team, we at Dimensional decided we wanted a new team that was just dedicated on making sure that our clients have access to all of the information they need to make well-informed investment decisions. So we decided to put together a new team, and that's Investment Solutions. That's the team I lead. And I have the privilege to lead just a group of amazing investment professionals. They're experts across a whole broad swath of investment areas. And our goal is to be a resource for clients. Um, through through conversations, dialogue, uh, analytics, content, whatever they need. Awesome. Um, I I was just wondering, could you talk maybe about what led DFA into the ETF space? Um, because honestly, I I knew about DFA long before I got involved with ETFs, and I feel like everyone in the ETF space was sitting on the sidelines wondering when the firm would enter the space. It was it was kind of a nail biter. <laughs> That's right. 
anyone who knows dimensional knows that we always blaze our own path. The timing for when we do things is is dependent on two things. Uh, it's dependent on our clients. And the second thing is whether we think we can bring our way of investment, investing and our approach, our philosophy to the solution and be really confident that we can bring something that enhances the investment experience for our clients. So on that first part, clients have been asking. Um, so, and, and we've noticed an increase in how much they've been asking really over the last few years. But in terms of the second piece about bringing and being confident that we can bring our way of investing to the ETF, what changed in the landscape last year was the ETF role. And that allowed us to tick that second box. Um, the ETF role basically clarified the use of, of custom baskets and the frequency of their use. And so custom baskets are just baskets that don't need to be pro rata slices of the portfolios. We don't rebalance our mutual funds in pro rata slices. Um, we don't trade that way. We like to rebalance a little bit every day, constantly improve the expected return, risk profiles of our, of our uh, funds. And we also like to use flexibility in order to reduce things like trading costs. So we do that in our mutual funds. And what's changed is the ETF role allows us to do it in an ETF form now. Gotcha. Well, what's interesting is, um, you know, so let's drop some tickers here. The, the three ETFs you guys launched uh, at the end of last year, uh, Core U.S. Equity, International Core, and Emerging Market Core, tickers DFAU, DFAI, DFAE, for anybody who wants to go check them out. Uh, what I thought was interesting about them is that they're actively managed, right? I mean, DFA has been in the ETF space really for several years, but as a sub-advisor to John Hancock ETFs, correct? Where those ETFs are index-based. So can you tell us a little bit about this decision to, to have these ETFs, your first three, be active? Sure. So yes, you're right that we have uh, almost five years of experience managing sub-advised ETF for John Hancock, and those are index. Uh, we created the the indices. So they have a lot of, of the different things that we've discovered in our research um, embedded in index form. Now, when it comes to our mutual funds, the, the vast majority of them are non-index. So they don't track an index. They're, our, our approach is one that's based on markets. So we actually think that um, market prices do a great job of incorporating information so that they're the best reflection or forecast of the future. So we don't try to outguess market prices. We try to use them to our advantage. Um, and what that means is that we're not like stock pickers or market timers, but where the active uh, label comes from is more just because we want that flexibility. We think flexibility adds value. So we don't want to have to focus on tracking error to an index. Instead, we'd rather focus on the information that we think we can pull out of prices about expected returns. And because prices change every single day, we're getting new information from the market about expected returns every single day. And that's why we rebalance the portfolios a little bit um, we don't wait for, for reconstitution dates. 
And that's how we've been managing our mutual funds for almost 40 years. And that's really the key to um, one of the one of the hallmarks of our approach. And that's what we were looking at in the ETF space for, you know, if you look before the ETF rule, the vast majority of uh, equity ETFs are indexed. So mm-hmm. while they may have certain aspects um, that are similar to our approach, you know, they may pursue the value premium or the size premium um, because that's, you know, there's been a, a increase in what one might call factor base or smart beta. Um, we've been doing that for almost 40 years, but not in an index form. And we think that by indexing, you give up flexibility that leaves money on the table. So it's been this ETF role that now says, hey, even though you know 99 some odd percent of ETFs are indexed, we didn't really have an interest in doing that. We've never have. Our founders were part of developing the very first index funds in their pre-dimensional lives, but they went away to start dimensional with this pers- um, perspective of, you leave money on the table if you if you were too rigid. And it's really been this ETF role that has allowed us to say, hmm, we can bring our flexible approach, our pioneering approach to using research and, um, and academic findings to inform how we manage the portfolios, but now in an ETF form. Yeah, I, I would think the the bar here is pretty high, though, because, you know, in the U.S. core equity space, if you think about it, I mean, not only there are the biggest ETFs ever in there, uh, but also the cheapest ETFs in there. They're all index based. So I think the, the pressure to really outperform with an active wrapper is big. I mean, obviously, you guys are up to the task, but it's not an easy task for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, when when it comes to uh, one of the sayings that we have at Dimensional is do what's right, not what's easy. And in this particular case, we know that whenever you blaze your own path and here, you know, some might say it's a crowded space. But when you look at the ETF space, we look at just the absence of a lot of solutions in the non-indexed systematic part of that market. So we think we're early. (laughs) We're early to bringing a flexible, transparent structure to the market. And we know that at least we've been hearing from our clients. Hmm. We know that they have a desire to invest in ETFs. Many of them use ETFs. And if you look at the three tickers that you just mentioned, we launched those, let's just say about two months ago, a little less. Um, And they already have almost or just about half a billion in them. So 500 million AUM in just about two months or less. We think that that's a good show of the appetite from our clients. So before we jump into the conversation about the the planned conversion of some mutual funds with ETFs, you know, Heather and I were talking before this call about, you know, how dimension, as you call it, we call it DFA, mm-hmm. but um, how the firm has really created a, a niche or a reputation in the market as being, you know, exclusive, like it has a sophisticated clientele and it has really thrived in that 
exclusivity, if you will. The ETF is a democratizing uh, wrapper. So it's a big departure from the idea of an exclusive shop. Uh, how does those how do those two things jive uh, from a company perspective uh, in terms of it's, it seems like a big change in just approach? <laughs> we certainly value our strong connection to financial professionals, um, whether that be the advisors that we work with or on the institutional side, pension funds, sovereign wealth funds, or any other institutional client. They are all investing on behalf of their clients or their constituents. So there is always this idea of an end investor, but we, we think that working with financial professionals is really important. And so while anyone can buy the ETF, we can't stop anyone from, from purchasing or investing the ETF, um, we won't be changing our focus on working with financial professionals. And we think that that's really important for a few reasons. First, the professionals we work with, they know the goals for that pool of money and how it needs to be invested, either because they're sitting across the table from their end client, or you know, it may be a pension fund that's thinking about the, their employees at, at that company. So we think they're going to be the, in the best position to know the goals of their clients put together a portfolio or an investment policy that puts their clients in the best position for success. And also playing a critical role in helping those constituents be disciplined and achieve long-term financial, their long-term financial goals. So, you know, we think that that the, the investment professionals we work with are going to be the experts at their clients. That's not going to be us. Our expertise is in investing. And we think that combination of let us focus on the investing, let our the financial professionals that we work with focus on identifying the best solution to meet their clients' needs. And that delineation of expertise is just such a powerful combination. So we don't really have any plans on, on changing our focus on those relationships with our um with our advisor clients, with our institutional clients. Mm -hmm. So should we jump into the conversion story, which quite frankly was the biggest story of 2020? <laughs> um, just <laughs> the first time we see a major player talk about uh, converting mutual funds into ETFs. So the announcement was the plan is to convert six tax managed mutual funds to ETFs this year, 2021. Um, I, I'm sure you agree, Heather, it was made quite the splash in a happy way, but quite the splash uh, when that came out. Totally. And it's going to open floodgates, too. So the expectation is that this is really, um, it could be like a pivot moment for the industry, uh, a milestone that opens like a, a, a process for a lot of people to follow. So Marlena, walk us through that process, the decision to do that, um, just the, the overarching uh, goal and, and thinking here to make that decision. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, I mentioned this ETF rule that came out last year. And when we were looking at that first, we, we thought, well, this is really going to allow us to um, bring what we do to uh, an ETF uh, vehicle. 
But also, as we were looking at it, we realized that there were some of our mutual funds that could benefit from a conversion to an ETF. So you did mention that they are six tax managed and they represent about 30 billion in assets. And their tax managed mutual funds mean, which means their goal is to deliver higher after tax returns. So they try and minimize the impact of uh, federal income tax. And what we've heard, one of the reasons why we think some of our clients are interested in ETFs is ETFs do have an additional tool that they use to manage um, capital gains, or at least the timing of capital gains, so that investors can defer them to when the ETF is sold, as opposed to in a mutual fund, if we're rebalancing and we sell a position at a capital gain, then that triggers a capital gains distribution. So one of the key benefits um, to these investors in these funds who have almost self-identified as being tax sensitive is that we'll gain this additional tool to manage capital gains. Uh, we wanted to make sure that the, the benefits associated with the conversion were really clear and apparent to our clients. So the other thing that we'll be doing is we'll lower the management fee of these six funds across those six on average by about 27% on an asset weighted basis. So clients do like that piece of the conversion news. And then the other part to this is we, we did a lot of work um, and we're confident that this can be the case that the conversion could be structured as a tax-free event. So rather than, let's just say you have an investor in a tax managed mutual fund even if they wanted to move to, say, one of the three ETFs that we just launched, that would trigger a tax event. So this is a way for them to get into an ETF structure, but still not incurring that, that taxable event. So they get to go to sleep with mutual fund shares, wake up with ETF shares. And then another reason we've heard from clients for why they may have a preference for ETF ETFs is that oftentimes they trade no transaction fees on some of the major platforms. So that's going to be something that we anticipate will be another benefit post-conversion. So overall, we saw lots of benefits to the investors in these funds. Um, we did a lot of work to, to try and make sure that this would be kind of a, a you know, a no-brainer for the investors there, that there would be lots of benefits. And when we think that we can do something better for clients, we try and do it. Uh, it doesn't really matter if there's a lot of work um, that needs to be done. And certainly whenever you're one of the first firms to do something, there is some work to do. <laughs> and that's been the case with the conversions for sure. Was there any pushback from your customers? Um, because I mean, I know that the um, DFA or dimensionals uh, investor base is fairly sophisticated, but was there any pushback from your investors on the conversion of the ETF? Uh, because basically the mutual funds cease to in exist after the conversion. So they're in a new wrapper. And if they're not a fan of that wrapper for whatever reason, uh, was there any like uh, resistance to that? So we're having those conversations now, as I'm sure you can imagine. And the the majority of the feedback has been positive. A lot of our clients say, okay, yeah, we get it. We we see the benefits. 
Um, and then for some clients, though, there is some work that, that needs to be done on their part, too, especially if they've never traded ETFs. So we want to be uh, you know, a, a source for those clients to lean on. And we've been having a lot of these conversations, understanding what this means for their trading processes and systems. So, you know, I, I'd say that there are a lot of the conversations that um, there's, I think many clients understand, okay, for this is the right thing to do for their investors. But we are asking them to do a little bit of their own homework if they've not traded ETFs before. Yeah, I would think though, I mean, from it's easy to see the benefit for the investor, but I mean, it's a, it's, a little bit tough for the the firm if you think marlena from the perspective that you guys are lowering fees by almost a third about rough almost 30 percent uh we've seen this before at least you know in the beginning how etfs a lot of times in these bigger firms tend to be loss leaders because it is so hard to charge fees on them the fee compression is so big the pressure to zero is so big so is the idea here to that an ETF conversion and just an ETF lineup, you know, to build out uh, while a much smaller um, fee gatherer, if you will, uh, it, the expectation is that you will reach a much larger number of investors. You guys think that will open the gates uh, for Dimensional to reach a whole new roster of, of investors? So the... I'll, I'll touch on the fees piece of this because our it like fee pricing philosophy is one where we want to price our solutions to be competitive in the industry. Um, well, and we certainly look at where all of our solutions stack up in the industry, but we do price based on the solution or the strategy. Um, so we're I, I would expect a similar strategy uh, in mutual fund form versus ETF to have some very similar pricing, at least when it comes to how we will approach um, our pricing. And it's not, we're never going to be the absolute rock bottom um, because we do think that there's a lot of additional work that we do. It's part of that daily implementation or Earlier, we were talking about why is it that Dimensional considers itself active? It's because we're making decisions every day around how to best rebalance the portfolios and manage risks on behalf of clients. And we think those things add value over time. So we want to make sure that we're competitive relative to our investment offering. And that's going to be true in both the mutual funds and ETFs. And if you look, we... Um, are the where we've priced these ETFs are very you know similar to where uh, uh, our mutual funds would be priced as well. So we don't really have this um, idea of let's let's have some loss leaders and and grow scale by having by pushing that. We want to be a long term partner and a long term solution for our clients, and um, and that's that's how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. So what should we expect for the future for, for Dimensional? So you, I guess by the end of 2021, you should have at least nine ETFs on the market, six conversions and three, three live ones that are, you know, came to market last year. Um, what's next? 
Well, we'll go where our clients take us. So we have been getting lots of feedback from our clients around uh, the various components that they might like to see in ETF form. So earlier I talked about how we launch any new solution. It's always two parts. It's it's always clients have a demand or a um, investment goal that, that they're trying to achieve. And we think that we can do something value added for them. And that's going to be the case with these ETFs too. And one of the pieces of feedback that we've been hearing from clients is you know, some of them prefer to have all ETF models and keep them separate from their mutual funds. Mm -hmm. So we, this conversion will get them a step closer where they can uh, build and, and customize the level of focus on different areas of the market within their equity sleeve. But over time, what I'd expect is that we have a full lineup of ETFs that stand beside a full lineup of mutual funds, because that's what we're hearing from our clients is that they want to be able to you know, pick and choose in order to customize their, their asset allocations to meet their client needs. And they want to be able to do that in an ETF wrapper. Mm. So it'll take us some time to get there, um, but that's what I anticipate. And, and we'll, what exactly is next, I think will be um, something we'll figure out in combination with our clients. Mm -hmm. Well, if, if, I, if I may, you know, as a final thought, bring you back to where we first started, which is you talking about your, your education, your expertise. I mean, the, the privilege of working side by side with Professor Fama must have been um, very, very cool. Um, what's, uh, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's something you've learned from him or some kind of lesson that um, you find yourself going back to applying to your everyday life or to your job, something that stood out to you in your, in your years working with him? <laughs> Do I have to pick just one? Because I can no, think no. of, I can think of two, maybe even okay. three. I, if you let me think longer, it'll be an even longer list. So he is, is always after the, the truth, um, meaning he just wants to understand what does the data say? Let the data speak. And he's, he's very, um, no, he has, it's just amazing to watch him think through a problem. You can put something in front of him and he just gets to the heart of the question. And I think that that is, it's amazing that he, he does that, but he's, he is very open-minded about let the data speak and, but with a good framework on top of it, because you have to have a good appreciation for the data that we work with in financial services is very noisy. So you have to have a really good appreciation for the difference in noise versus signal. So now I'm gonna go down this really nerdy path. Um, and that's <laughs> something that I think when people ask me about what's the secret sauce of dimensional, I really do think in terms of our research process, it's about understanding how much noise there can be in data and, and ways to be confident in working with the data and, and understanding the results that you're seeing so that you're not chasing things that just 
appear in historical data, but were there as an artifact of chance. So that's one thing. The second thing, if, if you'll allow, is he is communication. He is an amazing teacher. And um, you know, there was one of the things that sit with me at Dimensional is um, both client education, but also internal education. And just the, the process of, of teaching and guiding his students towards understanding what the key important concept is and drawing them out of it and having them appreciate assumptions, um, appreciate precision is really, I've, of all of that I've seen is one of a kind. And that's something that I've always, I've, I've seek to embody my whole career. That's awesome. So spot the signal and um, communicate well. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should probably wrap it up, um, leave it there. Marlena, this was such a, a pleasure. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you. <laughs> for more information on previous episodes, uh, or for more information on ETF Working Lunch, check out ETF.com. For information on how to get involved with women in ETFs, please check out womeninetfs.com. It's all one word. If you'd like to share comments, concerns, suggestions, don't be shy. Reach us out at ETFworkinglunch at ETF.com. Just shoot us an email. On behalf of Heather and myself, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time.